message. Uh, uh, just give you a little summary of where we've been for the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, I preached a message called The Law of Reciprocity, or How to Love a Big Fat Stinking Jerk. Uh, and then it kind of ran into last week's message, which was called Christianity's Lost Message, talking about how we need to identify completely and totally with the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Christ. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. And I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. This is all about the life of Christ in me. And all of it basically talking about selfishness, how God wants us to die to our selfishness so that we can live for God. We talked about, you know, you know, it's hard to get upset if you're dead. Dead people don't get upset. And every time you find yourself getting upset and irritated and selfish and stuff, you need to go back and say, hey, hey, where am I at? I'm supposed to be dying to this stuff. Am I living a crucified life? And we, we talk, if you missed that message, you need to get a copy of that message because it will transform your life. Well, today's message is kind of off of that. Continuing on, this is entitled Fat Baby. And we will continue. In our self-centered culture today, we've taken selfishness to new heights, to almost an art form. Today, people do incredibly stupid things openly and boldly that just a few years ago, people would have felt great shame in doing, much less letting anybody know. Reminds me of the lady who told me that she, was, she and her husband were getting divorced, and I said, really, why? And she just looked at me as reasonably and comfortably as could be and said, well, because our, our cats didn't get along. And she said, oh, we're still good friends, but when your pets don't get along, you can see how that puts a lot of stress on a relationship. So it's, so it's all good. Honestly, there's a few times in my life where I am short for words. <laughs> but when you are tossing it in because your pets can't handle it, you are dumber than a brick. But just no problem. Just, you know, that's where it is. People today break their commitments, do all kinds of stuff, do unbelievable things that are based on nothing but pure selfishness, but yet comfortably justify it to the world because of, and then they come up with a lot of bizarre reasons. They've, they've all got it down to an art form. People walking out on their families, men and women abandoning their children they say that they love, but they justify it because, well, you know what? I got to be honest with my feelings. and You know, I, I can't be a hypocrite because if I stay in this marriage, I'd be a hypocrite. And, you know, there's, there's times when we, we just don't really feel like we really love each other. And I, I think, you know, what's really funny is how often I have people come into my office uh, or around the country as I travel around and couples tell me of their 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 reason for their impending divorce and they will describe their marriage and the struggles they're having and in short describe me and Debbie's marriage <laughs> they do well sometimes we really irritate each other and there's times we don't really get along at times we're just so frustrated with each other I'm not going through it I just I said dude you, you just described my marriage but they toss it in you know perfectly reasonable We've got public figures today, politicians, sports figures. I don't know, just picking on Brett still, but man, this runs everywhere. People say one thing, do the next thing. Well, I feel different today. I feel like, you know, they don't throw me the ball enough. I want to, oh, I got to go to a different team because I want to be throwing the ball. I am the best catcher in the world. It's all about me. But hey, you've, you've all seen 
this stuff. People where they behave like little children, grown men. Politicians who one day say one thing, I say, well, now I feel a little differently today. Nobody believes in anything. Nobody holds on to anything today. Believe in unbelievable selfish ways and justify it all for some seemingly perfectly reasonable. And the thing is, we all get caught up in the reasons. Oh, well, well that's why well, I see you. I see where you're coming from. No. We've so perfected selfishness that people no longer view it as selfishness, but completely reasonable behavior. But you know what? You can take a dog turd. You can paint the dog turd. You can put flowers on it. You can tie pretty ribbons around it. You can spray it with pretty perfume. But at the end of the day, it's still a dog turd. <laughs> You're still processing that? I'll give you some time. <laughs> So narcissistic are we today that we can take virtually any selfish behavior, recast it, usually around internal feeling justification. And it comes across as being perfectly reasonable to the world. Even in churches, or perhaps I should say especially in churches, we violate scriptures by being critical and divisive and hateful. And what I want, how come I'm not getting it? And we package it is a righteous indignation. Oh, I'm fighting for what's right. I'm, I'm trying to advance the cause of Christ. No, you're not. You're being a big, fat, selfish pig. We justify all kinds of mean, nasty behavior. Stuff the Bible talks blatantly against, but, yeah, but! And then we recast the selfishness. Now, one of the most ludicrous recasting of selfishness, the repainting of a dog turd, if you will, is when lazy, self-centered, it's all about me, Christians, complain that they are not being properly attended to. Oh, Pastor, I'm not being properly attended to. Pastor, I came to that service, and my family and I expect a certain degree of ministry when we come into the congregation. And I was... Honestly, people talk to me this way, I just think... I don't say that I smile. But I'm thinking. <laughs> now, one of the most common forms of this selfishness is this complaint that you can hear in churches all across America. In fact, it has become a standard bearer, and it seems perfectly reasonable because we've recast it, we, we painted it up, we sprayed it. As, and, and the phrase of, you know, I, I'm not being a fed. I, I want to be a fed, but I, I haven't been being a fed. Look at Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Paul writes this, he says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be Teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food! Exclamation point! He's yelling at them! I've had people actually quote this verse as they justify their need for being fed. 
Well, Paul said, you know, he was yelling at them. Goodness gracious. People today expect to be fed when they come to church. They're going to feed me. <laughs> mature, so-called mature believers. You know, you don't feed mature people. You feed babies. Little babies. I see little babies out here. They need to be fed. You know, even though I've got two three-year-old grandsons. And one is a, a year old. But the, the two three-year-olds, one, one is Parker. Now, Parker, you don't really have to f make sure he gets fed so much. as he, You actually put food in front of him, he will feed himself. Actually loves to eat. He's, he's great fun to take to a restaurant because he'll actually sit and eat what you put in front of him. Then there's Kean. Now, Kean, for those of you who don't know Kean, a darling, wonderful, entertaining child who's like all the time. And the kid cannot sit still for five seconds. He's like his grandfather. <laughs> and if you did not literally take the food and stick it in his mouth, he won't eat because he's off just everything. He's just grabbing something and playing with something, even his food. Yesterday was a piece of chicken. and It didn't take long before. It was a boat. <laughs> Eat the chicken! <laughs> now, it's still okay. It's a little irritating. But he's only three. I can handle that. But when he's 16, if he's still sitting there, he's like, Ken, why aren't you eating? Well, I, I'm not being fed. That wouldn't be so cute anymore. The normal transition in life, boys and girls, is that at some point you stop being fed and you start feeding yourself. But there's a sense of entitlement today. Well, Pastor, I just—I really—I just—I deserve deeper spiritual stimulation. Well, anyone who thinks that a Sunday morning experience should meet all of their spiritual needs is delusional. You are delusional. People who come and say, "Just oh, the only time they come Sunday morning," and then complain, oh, "I don't know why my needs are being met." Let me explain to you what a Sunday morning service is. It's a time of corporate worship. It's a time of fellowship where you connect with other people. It's a time to be encouraged and challenged in your faith. It's an opportunity to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ, which by and large is pretty simplistic. You're bad. He's good. He will forgive you if you stop being bad. You can have his grace. I mean, is this and show people that you can't earn it? You can buy it. It's a free gift from God. This is the good news that we proclaim, share every Sunday, but not really deep. It's a time to remember the Lord's death. The Bible says when you get together, you should remember the Lord's death till he comes. That's why we take communion every Sunday. Some people say, why do you do communion every Sunday? Because it's kind of biblical. Just guessing, but it's kind of a biblical thing. Remembering the Lord's death. By the way, one of the parts of remembering the Lord's death is constantly to remind ourselves, you're supposed to be dead. Quit being so selfish. 
But I'll tell you what Sunday morning is not. It is not a time for deep, intellectual, expositional, theological, ecclesiastical, transfigurative examinations and exhortations of the scriptures. <laughs> but pastor, I want more. Well, start feeding yourself. Now we give you opportunities. You come on on Wednesday nights. Wednesday night's a little different. Wednesday nights, we have an extended speaking time. I just be like 25 minutes on Sunday morning. It's like 45 minutes on Wednesday nights, and we take a book of the Bible, and we go through it verse by verse by verse by verse by verse by verse. If you're not getting fed, it's the Bible. But then I have people say, yeah, but, but I don't like that particular book of the Bible you're studying right now. <laughs> I smile. But I'm thinking, you're getting involved in Bible studies, life groups. There's so many opportunities. There's no excuse in the world why people should not be growing and being challenged and learning the deep things of God on their own. Now, I've been part of churches that do give out the deep theological, transformative, ecclesiastical teachings. That's great, wonderful. People love coming to those churches. They're so very deep, very deep, very deep, 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 deep. But you know one of the signs of those churches is they virtually never grow. They virtually never grow. It's just about me and mine, us and these four walls. I need to be challenged more. I need to be fed more. There's just these deep teachings all the time, but they don't grow. They're not winning souls. They're not touching the world around them. They just got itching ears. I want to hear something deeper, deeper, deeper. They don't necessarily live what we're talking about, but they want to hear more about it. I've been part of churches like that. Drag. They're just a drag. Now, granted, there are churches where it's not so much that they don't feed people. They actually starve people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about churches who they never give you anything. They never challenge anything and, in fact, forbid you to do so. You can't have extra Bible studies. You can't have extra things in the church. Oh, just, just me. I'm the only one who can tell you anything. And you know, we're not going to have any of this charismatic stuff. We're not going to do any of this stuff. There won't be any more of that. They just, now they're starving people. That's different. Completely different. But then your complaint should be, look, uh, they're starving us here. I, I got to go somewhere else. Shouldn't be the self-centered thing. Well, I'm not being fed. And when I'm talking about doctrinal problems, you know, sometimes you can't be part of a church anymore because of doctrinal problems. But that's not, not being fed. It's a doctrinal problem. Sometimes there's doctrinal walls that go up where we just can't get past them. I get that. You know, if you really believe we should baptize people in prune juice, we got a problem. Because I'm not going to do that. Now, I'll compromise with you. I'll, I'll drink prune juice. I'll baptize you in prune juice if you want. No, it's not. Everybody's got to be baptized in prune juice. It's got to be this way. It's got to be. We got to do things this way. It's got to be that. No, I don't believe that. Well, then we got. Okay, then fine. Look, everybody doesn't have to come to the same church. I get that. There's churches that starve people uh, spiritually. There's churches that have doctrinal wackoisms that you just, man, I don't want to be part of that anymore. And if you feel feel that that's here, I get that. That's cool. I don't have a problem with that. What I got a problem with is this narcissistic thinking. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm not being fed. How long have you been saved? 38 years. 
because I've never been to a Bible study, but I need to be fed. If you want to grow, you need to take responsibility for your own growth. And I'll tell you what, one of the challenges in churches, particularly on a Sunday morning atmosphere like this, particularly in a growing church like this, is we have people at all kinds of spiritual levels in this place. There are people sitting here right now who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. This is new to them. Like, what, Fed? What, what, what is he talking about? You know, last week we had just a, so many positive comments from the message, this deep thinking of, of being crucified with Christ. And it was great. It was encouraging. We need to do that from time to time. But I promise you, there were a lot of people who didn't get it. And I'm already lining them up trying to explain it to them. And these are believers, you know. Can you imagine some guy who's never even known about Jesus sitting in last Sunday service and hearing this whole thing about dying to yourself and just, what? It's a little high up here. One of the challenges on a Sunday morning is delivering things in a way that can minister and challenge everybody and pull us all forward from the weakest to the strongest believer. But bottom line, if you expect Sunday morning's ministry, my talking right now, to be your all in all of spiritual life, you are delusional. And your values and your expectations are way out of whack. You can seek out all kinds of opportunities for growth. As I mentioned a moment ago, we got our Wednesday nights. There's Bible studies in this church, small groups, personal devotions you can do on your own. Christian radio, television, I mean, literally, at no other time in the history of mankind have people had more opportunity to reach out and receive spiritual nourishment than now. If the believers of 2,000 years ago would hear some of the people today whining about not being fed, they'd probably throw you to the lions themselves for crying out loud, people. We have access to stuff, books, materials, CDs, DVDs, like never before, seek it out. But above all, stop thinking that other people should feed you. Feed yourself at some point. Now, those of you young in this, this is all, Sunday mornings are great. It's more than you can handle. This is great. That's fine. But at some point, three, four, five, six years, who knows, at some point down the line, you're going to want and desire more. <laughs> Sadly, people are more interested in being fed than growing and feeding themselves. And by the way, the best way you can feed yourself is to feed other people. By the way, the best way to learn anything is to teach it to others. In fact, let me ask right now, if you've ever taught anything, a Sunday school class, a karate class, a presentation at work, training other people, uh, Dance. I mean, and you've had to teach other people anything at any time in your life as a teacher. I want you to stand up for a minute. All those who have ever had to teach anybody anything. Are you it? All right. Now, holy moly. <laughs> now, all of you who actually learned more while you were teaching, sit down. Except for one or two, that pretty much nailed it. Wouldn't you say? You all know this. When you start teaching somebody something is when you learn it more than at any other time. It becomes more real to you. You've got to get more fundamental in your head so you feel confident enough to speak it into people's lives. Sometimes this sense of 
I need to be fed. I'm, I'm not quite getting it. It's God's way of saying, you who, you need to step it up. You need to start teaching other people. You need to start teaching other people. You need to start talking and calling Pastor Mary at church and say, Pastor Mary, I, I need to set up, I need to do something. Plug me in, man. I need, I need to lead a Bible study. I need to do something. Why is that? Because I'm, I'm hungry as I can be over here. I'm as hungry as I can be. I'm not getting enough in my life. I want to teach somebody. Man, then watch what God does in your life and pouring into your life and giving you energy and stuff. I'll tell you what. I've got lots of faults in my life. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. In almost 40 years of being a Christian, we have never, ever, ever complained of not being fed. Those words have never come out of our mouths. It, and it's totally bizarre to us that people would say that. But again, you know, selfishness is so justified today. When the phrase is used so often, we use it and nobody even questions it. It's one of the selfish things you can say. We would have never, ever, I've never, and man, I have sat under pastors. It was torturous. For years we've sat under pastors. Honestly, I would sit on the front row and I would focus and listen to them and I'd walk out and I had absolutely no idea what they said. For years. We were under one pastor. I'm pretty sure he preached the same sermon every Sunday. As best as we could tell. I don't think he's really changed the topic. And we went there for years. Say, well, pastor, how could you do that? How'd you get fed? Fed? Man, much past a couple of years into this thing, we started feeding ourselves. Growing in our own spiritual life, opening our Bibles, praying, reading, learning, growing, reading. There's this great song by Amy Grant some years ago. It's called Fat Baby. It says, I know a man, maybe you know him too. You never can tell, he might even be you. He knelt at the altar and that was the end. He saved and that's all that matters to him. His spiritual tummy, it can't take too much. One day a week he gets a spiritual lunch. On Sunday he puts on his spiritual best and gives his language a spiritual rest. He's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood, but his daily devotions are stuck in the mud. He knows the books of the Bible in John 3, 16, and he's got the biggest King James you've ever seen. I've always wondered if he'll grow up someday. He's mama's boy, and he likes it that way. If you happen to see him, tell him I said, and then even the writers of this song got it wrong. Tell him I said, you'll never grow if you never get fed. Ugh. No, you'll never grow if you don't ever start feeding yourself. Grow in your faith. And again, if you're in a place where you're feeling this need for more, 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 I'm telling you, it's probably God telling you, you need to step it up and start teaching other people. You need to start volunteering of your time. You need to start giving of yourself. Bottom line, you need to change your thinking. Church is not about you getting what you need in a way that you expect. It's about coming together as a family of faith, worshiping God together, talking with each other, connecting with each other, praying with each other, crying with those who cry, rejoice with those that ro rejoice, and doing whatever you need to do to help advance his kingdom. And then I love the way the song ends. It's got a big end to Fat Baby. Play that ending. 
And on that ecclesial note, we'll have our ushers come and our musicians come back and get ready to serve communion. Let's not be fat babies, man. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's get involved. Let's advance the kingdom of God. Well, as we get ready to serve communion, let me ask you this question. As I said earlier, communion is about reflecting and asking yourself as we reflect on the death of Christ, am I connected with that death? My question to you, are you dead yet? Are you living with an attitude that you are crucified with Christ? As we take communion, it's the perfect time to ask ourselves, am I truly living a surrendered life? Am I saying, as Paul said, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me? Have you set selfishness aside? Have you let his life give birth inside of you? Or are you still hanging on to what you want, the way you want, when you want it? And by the way, this sense of what I'm talking about can exist not only in you guys, but in our teenagers as well. At some point, even our teen ministry will leave the ones who are really growing in their faith hungry. Well, what does that mean? That it's our job to start feeding your 16-year-old? No, I don't think so. It's, it's our job to start teaching them and letting them loose and challenging them to teach and to grow in their faith. Man, let's expect stuff out of our young people. Let's expect stuff out of ourselves. And maybe you're here this morning and all of this seems really new to you because you've never heard a whole lot of this stuff. But all you do know is you want to be able to experience this kind of forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ where you can know that your sins are forgiven, where the life of God can live inside of you and empower you to help you become all the things that he wants you to become. You know, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of what we're supposed to be in life. We've all hurt God in lots of ways. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't pay for it. You can't just be better than you were bad. You can't give enough money. There's nothing you can do. So, well, then I'm hopeless. Well, in a sense, yeah, we're all terribly hopeless. Except that wonderful hope came our way when Jesus came to the earth and said, you know, you can't fix this, but I can. And he became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His body was broken on that cross. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. If you're here this morning and you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus... You can begin your life of faith this morning. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. And I'm going to encourage everybody to pray this along with me. But if you'll pray this maybe for the first time in your life, if you'll really mean this, you can experience God's grace and forgiveness and mercy in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.